We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Well, good morning. It is Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Good to be with you on a Sunday morning. A beautiful day outside. A beautiful day it is going to be. But let's get our Sunday morning programming started here on Hardline. Our guests today include Assemblyman Angel- Angelo Morinello. Uh, Erie County Democrat Chair Jeremy Zellner. We have Niagara Falls Superintendent Mark Laurie and Miles Carter will be our first of hopefully many sheriff candidates that will will have Miles Carter today at 1130 and then hopefully more next week. Uh, the invites are out there. But we are starting with Assemblymember Angelo Morinello this morning. Angelo, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Well, I'm I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, lots going on in the assembly. Lots going on when it comes to the state of New York and COVID. I, I want to ask you uh, because I've seen this happen in other states, and I think I know the answer when it comes to New York State. But is there any push in Albany to get rid of the three hundred dollar unemployment insurance? Um, there has been no discussions formally. Informally, there have been some discussions in the halls regarding the fact that there is employment available. Uh, Starting salaries have been increased, yet because of individuals getting used to just receiving a check, um, if it were to come, my position would be this. If you're able to go back to work, there's no prohibition, and you refuse, you should not be entitled but any businesses and uh, any employees who cannot go back to work because of either restrictions or the businesses themselves had to close, that they should still be entitled. So I don't think we can do uh, one rule fits all. I think we now need to get a little more specific and help those that have no ability to go back to work. You know, speaking of those restrictions, uh, every you know, the New York Times has a map and it shows states that have you know lifted their restrictions, and I think that's kind of misleading when they show New York as a state that's lifted their restrictions because people don't know, but there are still COVID nineteen restrictions on the books that are in the hands of the governor. Correct? Absolutely, um, and he still has the ability um, to issue guide guidance and uh, limitations and restrictions. He is moving towards, and it just seems that every time there's a lawsuit or a planned 
a press conference dealing with one of the issues, it changes the night before a decision is made. So I think we're moving in that direction. But I think when people saw the one bill that passed that allegedly uh, claimed to take away his powers, it was a misnomer. And had individuals read the entire bill, they would have realized sunset provisions were removed. Uh, there were a couple of uh, guidelines put in. However, we don't know if they were ever followed, meaning that the uh, leaders of the Assembly and the Senate had to be notified. Speaking of those, uh, again, of those restrictions, the one restriction that has been removed is masks at schools. That will be lifted tomorrow, but it is still a district-by-district decision, correct? Um, The state is giving the authority to allow districts to make that decision, but I feel that most uh, districts will remove that restriction because, like in Niagara Falls, a number of the schools are not air-conditioned. The uh, temperatures are going to rise. Fortunately, we've uh, started our summer season, and it becomes difficult for these uh, to breathe. I mean, whether it's children, adults, older adults, and um, as long as, you know, first of all, the statistics do not seem to support that there is an outbreak in young students. Number two, uh, it seems that those that have the uh, vaccines, both uh, doses, if you needed to, or the Johnson & Johnson, for one, um, that they should not really have to wear the masks if there's a medical problem. Now, I would not want someone to uh, encounter someone without a mask um, and have an altercation, but I think we need to just go to guidance and people's feelings and respect for others. Now, also going on in the assembly right now, I believe are two investigations into the governor. I know you probably can't shed too much light on that, but can you can you tell us where we are in those investigations? Um, I have no idea. The judiciary is a uh, sworn to secrecy um, and ethically, no one can reveal anything. And the attorney generals is in the, the um, silent stage. So at this point, it's very difficult to assess where each of them may be going, um, not because of avoidance, just because of the security needed when you are doing an investigation and it hasn't, and the facts have not become public yet. Is there anything the minority party in the assembly can do? I, 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 this is probably going to sound weird the way I'm wording it, but is there anything in the, the minority party can do to either speed up the investigation or at least have a more transparent investigation? Um, we have been asking for that. Uh, we can make requests in the, uh, as the minority party. But we, there is no authority unless the entire legislature acts to do anything other than what is occurring at this time. All right, Assemblyman, I got one more question for you, then I'll let you get out. I really appreciate you uh, joining me on uh, this Sunday morning. You know, there, there's kind of been chatter online, and that I probably shouldn't be taking into too much account, but have there been any gun control developments in Albany? Has there been any bill to either strengthen gun control? Um, Because I see talk about it on on social media. Again, probably not where I should be getting my news, but is there any truth to that? Um, There are two bills passed the Senate on Thursday, and 
I woke up this morning um, to the, my codes agenda for tomorrow, and there are two bills on the agenda which affect uh, guns. But bottom line is it seems like there's end runs around um, the Second Amendment. The two bills are the first one is 7926. It's a Rosenthal bill, and it's mandating micro-stamping technology on uh, all guns that can micro-stamp on the shell um, what the serial number of the gun was so they can trace it back. There is no technology available that can handle this, but... Um, on the other, and it, I think it uh, would be effective in 2023, but it's just another um, impediment that does not have the ability to function at this time. That bill's been around for a while, and it hasn't passed. However, because of the makeup of the majority in both houses and the governor of being the same party, uh, there's a chance it'll go through. The second bill is six seven six two one three a Fahey bill. Uh, and basically what this does is it declares selling guns a public nuisance and it puts on the the onerous on legitimate gun dealers and legitimate gun manufacturers, which they're all regulated, that they have to take extra precautions that after it's sold it doesn't fall into the wrong hands. It is an absolute ludicrous bill. It is unenforceable. Um, and what none of these bills take into consideration, and you never hear the discussion, they seem to attack lawful gun owners. They do nothing to increase penalties against unlawful gun ownership, unlawful guns, and criminals. So, again, it attacks law-abiding citizens. And the reason is it sounds good. Okay, the, the headlines make great headlines for re-elections for individuals. But if people would really start reading what is included in the bill, what the outcomes can be, what the direction and focus is, they will understand that they're not good bills. They don't accomplish anything except give the ability to have a press conference or a headline. Um this bill would allow private individual rights to uh, sue manufacturers. So indirectly, it's just, it's terrible. Um, I have a cousin who's an investigator with the state police. He can't wait to get out. There's a bill that's circulating around that uh, hasn't made it to the floor and hasn't made it to the committees, whereby it would prohibit employ a municipal or state who employ police departments to not provide liability insurance for their employed police officers, correct? Um, So what it means is if you want to become a police officer, you have to go secure personal liability insurance, which would be cost prohibitive. So now there's another uh, deterrent to individuals becoming police officers. If I may just make one personal comment, The whole focus that I see happening is moving away from being responsible for consequences of your actions. They attack legitimate citizens. They do nothing to protect victims. And it's all focused on protecting the lawbreakers. 
we have to start realizing and paying attention to the fact the only way we get a, a solid society is if we start recognizing there has to be consequences for one's actions. There's good consequences and there's bad consequences, but we just cannot take the onerous off of the um, lawbreaker and put it on society. Well said. I, I lied. I actually have two more questions. I apologize. The first one is from a listener asking for your opinion on an increase in paratransit distance from three-fourths of a mile to three miles matching uh, the bill in the Senate. Um, I would support that. I think that uh, it's important. And there's another way to look at it. If we can't get that through um, in Albany, then maybe some of these uh, locations that the uh, handicapped have to get to should be closer to the bus lines, or the bus lines need to be adjusted. But it is an extreme hardship, and it just shouldn't happen. So I agree that we need something to be done. And I promise this is the final question. Okay. We see this around the country and other states. Has there been any legislation proposed or at least talked about um, that have to do with social media? We saw a, a law passed in Florida dealing with social media. Is anything like that on the floor here in New York State? Uh, not that I'm aware of, but it, there may be something coming up, this being the final week of the section, session. All right, Assemblymember uh, Angelo Mornello, I appreciate you joining me this morning. Thank you. Thank you. That is Assemblymember Angelo Morinello. A lot of stuff, as you heard, going on in Albany, and we don't hear about much of it. We're, we're talking COVID, you know, uh, what's going on in Washington, but it's always good, I think, to get, a, uh, a, a, to get caught up on what's going on in Albany. And you know what's going on two weeks from Tuesday? It's primary season right here in New York State. And we are going to talk about that with our next guest, Jeremy Zellner, to set up the local primaries. And I'm hoping next week we'll get Ralph Moore on and we can set up the Republican primaries. But a lot of stuff to go. And, you know, people forget to go to the, hey, I'm one. I, I'm just as guilty. Forgetting to go for primaries, forgetting there is a primary. Uh, but it's important. You see a, a candidate you like. You see a candidate for your party that you think is the best candidate. Go make the stop, do the 30 seconds of, uh, of voting, submit your ballot, and uh, important. We're going to get a rundown on what's different from this primary election than how we voted in 2020, right? I mean, that's we're still talking about how uh, voting was handled in 2020, not only in New York State, but throughout the country. So we're going to get a clear picture of that with Jeremy Zellner. When we come back, I'm going to give you a little a little taste of what's going on nationally after this break. It is Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. Welcome back to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer with you. Jeremy Zellner will be joining us in about 10 minutes. Angelo Morinello joined us in the previous segment, if you missed that, available on WBEN.com and the Odyssey app. And let me tell you, important stuff there to know what's going on down the street in Albany. Because you hear what's going on in Washington, you hear what's going on locally, uh, but some of the stuff going on, on the floor of the Assembly, yeah, you might see a tweet about it here or there, but always great to get a rundown, and I appreciate Angelo joining us. One of the things I asked him about was 
any laws to do with social media. We saw this happen uh, in Florida. I believe we saw this happen in Texas. Well, on Friday, was it Friday or Thursday? I think it was Friday. Facebook said that the former president, Tr Donald Trump, is suspended until 2023. Our Tom Puckett sat down with Elizabeth, Elizabeth Schulze to talk about that. Elizabeth, we're learning that Facebook is suspending President Trump for two years after what he posted during the January 6th insurrection. Uh, what was behind Facebook's decision to suspend President Trump for this period of time? Yeah, good to be with you. So we know that the former president had been temporarily suspended, and now Facebook is really putting a timeline on it. It says his accounts, his Facebook and Instagram accounts, will be offline essentially until at least January 2023. So that's a two-year mark from when they first took him off of the platforms, of course, during the January 6th insurrection. So essentially now the company says it's going to take these two years to have him be away. And then at that time, it will reevaluate if the former president still poses a risk. Of course, now remember, the president posted, essentially the company said he incited violence with his post during the Capitol insurrection. And they say they're going to take a look in two years to see if he still poses some sort of risk at that time. Now, notably, the timing about this is a little bit, you know, you know, raises some questions. Certainly, it would be after the midterm elections, but it would still be before the 2024 presidential election. So the president is responding, unsurprisingly, very unhappy with this decision, says it's uh, uh, limiting his speech. But, you know, we'll see where he goes from here. What does this mean down the road for other politicians who want to use Facebook to send their respective messages across to voters? Yeah, yeah. so the, the Facebook news, too, is that it's taking a little bit of a stronger stand here in limiting the comments from politicians. You know, Facebook has been pretty hands-off when it comes to public figures up until now. Generally, it has said it is important for these comments to be out there. It, you know, it really has stood by this free speech argument. And now it appears to be taking a little bit more of a hands-on approach when it comes to regulating and trying to monitor the comments that are made. So it's possible that if other, you know, politicians make comments that Facebook could determine are inciting violence or perhaps even making claims that are false, you know, claims about the election that are rigged, they might take steps to then remove those people from the platform. Obviously, this is a huge task for Facebook to try to monitor those types of comments, and we've already seen in the past it has struggled to really moderate in, in an efficient way. Elizabeth, what concerns have you heard that Facebook may do this selectively, uh, being biased toward one side of the aisle or the other? Always a concern. And, you know, ultimately, when you have people making these decisions, when you have these content moderators, you know, essentially deciding that something goes with the policy or doesn't, there's a risk that it could skew one way or the other. You know, one of the things that Facebook set up in order to try to avoid any sort of conflict or, or impression that they were skewing one way or the other was this independent advisory board, this oversight board, which was supposed to act as sort of this Supreme Court for Facebook, that it would make these decisions on content moderation that were tricky to make and that it would then tell Facebook what to do. And that was a panel of independent experts, journalists, lawyers, you know, kind of a whole range of, of people making those choices. What we saw, though, in the case of this Trump suspension was that oversight board essentially said, it's actually up to you, Facebook, to make this call. So a little bit defeating the purpose of creating that in the first place. So Facebook's in a, in a position here where it, it might not make many people happy with these decisions going forward. 
and uh, for politicians who want to use uh, Facebook to present their sides, uh, what? how does this decision against former President Trump uh, maybe change their strategies, if you will? Yeah, you know, for now, unless there's been something that's flagged, unless someone has posted something that has been, you know, already removed, there's no blanket sort of regulation from here on saying you cannot post this on Facebook if you are a politician. But the message really is that they will be taking a closer look. And whether that is in claims that could be determined as false, as determined by their fact checkers, or whether it could be something more serious, like inciting violence, that would really be up to Facebook to determine. And it a little bit looks as though this would be on a case-by-case basis. You know, one thing I'll point out from the Facebook statement today is that they made a point of saying that this was a very the former president's comments were a very big violation of its of its policies and merited the highest penalty possible. So this two-year kind of suspension appears to be really the, the severe example. Other instances could be, you know, closer to a shorter time frame of being removed, suspended. Really, it looks as though Facebook will have to determine the risk level in, in each of these cases, which is a, is a pretty big task. Elizabeth, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. My pleasure. That is Elizabeth Scholzley with Tom Puckett talking about Facebook banning President Trump, former President Trump, for two years. When we come back, we're talking primaries and elections with Jeremy Zellner on Hardline. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Well, welcome back. It is Hardline here on News Radio 930. WBEN Joe Beamer with you till noon today when Meet the Press takes over. And joining us for this segment is Erie County Democratic Chairman Jeremy Zellner, also Commissioner on the Erie County Board of Elections. Jeremy, good morning. And Jeremy, um, Coming up, I believe in two weeks, we have the primary season starting. Uh, what's that going to look like this year? When does voting start? And uh, how will it be different from the elections in 2020? And what will be remaining from the COVID, the elections during the time of COVID in 2020? Well, good morning, Joe. Thanks for having me. Um, well, we begin early voting on Saturday here in Erie County uh, from the 12th through the 20th. Um, our polls are open uh, noon to six on the weekends and noon to nine on the weekdays. So that's all uniform from our past uh, elections. We have 37 sites across the county where voters can vote at any one of those sites during early voting. And then uh, election primary day will be June 22nd. Polls open 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. that day. 
Um, some of the things that are still uh, the same as last year is we do have no excuse absentee balloting. So if voters would like to vote by paper and request an absentee, they can go to our website, elections.erie.gov, go to our portal and request the absentee, and they'll get it mailed to them right away. They can submit it and send it back. We're not seeing a whole lot of those this year. It's not a huge uh, um, uh, request uh, for absentees. But other than that, you know, our, our inspectors will have masks on. We're asking everyone to be uh, use common sense and be safe. And, and last year is one of the biggest elections we've ever had. And, you know, vast majority, I'd say 99% of the people that showed up at the polls used common sense, were safe, wanted to get there, vote and get out. And it went very well. So we're expecting the same this year. And um, what are the the big primaries? I mean, I guess they're all big if you're the one running in them. Uh, what are the uh, big primaries you're watching this year? Well, there there's there's a sheriff primary um, on the Democratic side. Our endorsed uh, candidate is is Brian Gould, and then you've got the the Republican sheriff's primary as well. You've got got a Republican race going on on that side. So. You've got a couple of big countywide primary races that will be taking place across the county. Obviously, in the city of Buffalo, uh, Mayor Brown is running for re-election, and, and he has a primary. And then we've got a city court primary uh, with Judge Dabney, Rebecca Town, and Judge Ray as well. Um, and then a couple of the towns uh, in Hamburg, there's a, a Democratic primary um, with, with Randy Hoke for supervisor, Meg Comerford and Carly Story and also uh, Ed Hughes running for highway superintendent. But that's really, uh, in Evans, you also have a race uh, for, for in primary day as well on the Democratic side. That's really the only primaries other than the smaller parties. And by the way, Brian Gould will be joining us next Sunday at 10.06. As you heard, he is the endorsed candidate for uh, sheriff on the Democrat side. Jeremy, how do those endorsements work when a party endorses a candidate but still has a primary? What is the meaning of that? Well, anyone has the right to challenge in a primary. That's the way our system's set up. Um, and so we, we it's let me start by saying it's been a very difficult year for everyone, and including political parties. We were not able to gather. We were not able to meet in person. But we held an extensive interview process, probably the most extensive we've ever held uh, for sheriff this year. We interviewed five candidates over six hours. We had them fill out uh, huge paperwork uh, to apply. Um, and so that went on for almost nearly a month. And uh, our challenger abruptly dropped out of the race and quit uh, the race and then you know, got back in the race during the petition process. And, and here we are. We've got a primary in, in a couple of weeks here. And now looking down the road, obviously we have the primaries now, but looking down the road to the November elections, I'm not sure what's been decided, what's not. Uh, but will will anything from 2020 still be hanging around in November of 2021 when it comes to those absentee ballots and uh, in voting? Well, we, we will most likely have no excuse absentee ballots as well uh, again, and we're actually voting on that as a state referendum this year. It, headed into COVID, the state was on track to have no excuse absentee balloting anyway uh, for us to vote on it. It passed the legislature. The, the governor signed it. So we're going to have that moving forward one way or another. Um, and, and it's an efficient system. As it, we, Commissioner Moore and I have been able to really – uh, be at the cutting edge of a lot of this reform. Um, we're only one of two uh, counties uh, upstate that have a portal for people to go and easily apply online. 
So we're really proud of the things we've been able to do with that. The early voting, they're passing a number of early voting laws. And many of them won't have an impact on us because we have such an expansive early voting program here in Erie County already. We want to hold that in place and continue allowing that. Looking around the country, I, I want to know your thoughts on you know election laws that have been passed in Georgia and in Texas. And do you think this is something that needs to be addressed on the federal level? I do. You know, anytime you try to discourage voting, it's a problem. You know, we've had a number of uh, election laws passed over the last few years here in, in New York State that have really expanded uh, the ability for people to come out and vote, and that's terrific. But anytime you you try to stop someone from voting or making make it hard for someone to vote, I think that's a problem that does have to be addressed for sure. I mean, it, it cuts right into the fabric of our democracy here. And speaking of that, the people, I'm sorry, the For the People Act, were you surprised to see Democrat Senator Joe Manchin say he's not going to vote for that? I'm not surprised by anything Senator Manchin does. All right. Um, uh, I also want to know, as the Democrat chair, looking at New York State, and not just looking at 2021, excuse me, not just looking at 2021, but also looking when it comes to midterms, do you think Democrats are in a good position when it comes to the upcoming elections? I think we are. I think we're showing not just statewide, but also locally here that we're the party of governing um, and getting things done. You're seeing it with, uh, you know, the, the people who are getting vaccinated. The country's moving quickly to, to reopen here with the leadership of President Biden. But you're seeing it locally with our county executive who, who did a really terrific job of keeping our is our community safe during COVID. Um, Mark Polencar's and look, there are we're always going to have differences on both sides of the aisle, but we have some differences uh, in the Democratic Party right now in our own state. And um, you're going to see those differences discussed and, and we will work with people when we can. And and I, I think the state is in a good position to, to lead for the Democrats that, you know, the governor uh, has been under fire, obviously, but he's been able to govern. He's been able to get a budget together and work with the Senate and the Assembly. And so, you know, we haven't had gridlock. You know, I'm looking at both major political parties, the Democrats and the Republicans, and obviously coming from the Democrat point of view, um, I want to know what you think of, you know, you've got your Joe Manchin Democrats and you've got your AOC Democrats, but it seems at election time, Democrats are really able to to stay together uh, when it comes to those important elections. And then on the other side of the aisle, uh, from my point of view, the Republican Party, uh, you see different factions of the party. And it seems to it seems to be having more of a wear on the right than the left. Uh, why do you think that is? Well, what I would say, Joe, is you're seeing this playing out here locally in real time. Um, we have a challenger uh, to Brian Gould, who um, is being supported by Working Families Party and socialist-type people who are trying to pull uh, us to the left. And that certainly is not going to work in Erie County and certainly not going to work for a sheriff's race. That's what Brian's been up against here during this primary. Um, he's, he is a, the only candidate running for sheriff this year who's a current police officer, and he wasn't going to bow down, you know, you mentioned both sides of the, of the aisle. The, the Republicans running for sheriff are, are debating on who loves Donald Trump more and who's going to uh, not support the SAFE Act. We can't pick and choose the laws that we're going to de- uh, defend as the sheriff and uphold as the sheriff. Brian Gould is going to enforce all the laws that are on the books, including uh, any low-level drug uh, uh, offenses, which, by the way, the sheriff does not enforce anyway, but he was asked 
to not enforce that stuff from, you know, I, I would say left type people. And that's OK. But he's refused to kowtow to that as, as a sheriff. And that's, I think, the difference between him and our opponents in this primary and him and the opponents coming up in November is that this is not about politics. This sheriff's department has been a black eye on this community for a long time. People are losing their lives. It's costing taxpayers millions of dollars, and it's time for a professional who isn't going to play politics. Do you think the the sheriff, I know this is out of anyone's control, but do you think the sheriff's department, not just here in Erie County, but, you know, across the country where it's an elected position is getting too political, especially in this such divided times, maybe we should have a different way of selecting the sheriff? Well, no, I, I think they have been too political, but it doesn't need to be that way. Um, you you are running to uphold an oath, and two of their both Republican candidates have already said they're going to break their oath on day one and not enforce uh, certain laws. That's not acceptable, and I think the voters are going to see through that uh, in the fall. I, I know uh, that they, that this primary season they'll, they'll make their voice heard in a few weeks, but our, I, I have faith in our voters uh, here in Erie County and across the country to make the right choice and to see this now. Tim Howard has been elected and reelected in this county, so that's that's a questionable thing. Um, but but I think if you're running for office, you should be at minimum be able to uphold your oath. All right, last question I have to ask: When it comes to the comptroller race, there is no primary there, right? That one's pretty much set. Uh, Kevin Hardwick versus Lynn Dixon, right? And that'll be in November. That'll be in November. Uh, we've endorsed Kevin Hardwick, who's uh, as, as everyone on this station knows is kind of a independent middle of the road type of guy uh, you know I, in fact i ran against him for office so he's he's been on both sides and i think that's exactly what makes him uh take the politics out of it and be able to do the job and so we're excited to support him in november yeah hey if there was no kevin hardwick there wouldn't be this show right now right, right. <laughs> jeremy i appreciate you taking time out of your sunday Thanks, Joe. Take care. Thank you. That's Erie County Democrat Chairman Jeremy Zellner joining me. And as he mentioned, Brian Gould, he is the endorsed sheriff's candidate for the Democrats. There is still the primary, and he will be running against Miles Carter, who is joining us at 1130. A quick uh, personal note, Miles Carter went to high school and college with me. So this will be the first time I think I've talked to him since college, uh, both going to Amherst and Medi. Uh, and then next week at 10.06... Brian Gould will join us here on Hardline. I'm hoping with the other candidates for sheriff, um, there has been an, an invite sent out to all of the candidates. Uh, that was kind of the plan to have two shows where we had half and half of the sheriff uh, candidates, but did not work out that way. So we're having Miles at 1130, and hopefully um, we will get – a word back from the other candidates, and we'll be able to talk with them next week. But that is the the election that is getting all of the eyes and ears on it, the sheriff's election. You're starting to see all the ads right here on WBEN. I believe we're carrying, uh, we're playing ads for a lot going into this primary season, and I think that's the one you're going to see get the attention on primary night here, uh, here in Erie County. Uh, Erie County will have a new sheriff, as you know, the the uh, Tim Howard is not running, so Erie County will have a new sheriff. It's just what uh, party will that sheriff be from and of what many selections. You have six people running when it comes to the primaries, three in each party. Um, so it'll be uh, – it's been a very contested 
uh, primary season, and we'll see what happens on primary night and then moving on. And when it comes to election laws, I mean, hey, if you listen to me during the week, you know my opinion when it comes to elections, and uh, this is not the show for that. I will uh, maybe have that discussion tomorrow on Beamaz and Beamer. Um, but when you, when you see the talk of election laws around the country, um, you, you have the Democrat Party federally trying to make a federal mandate, and Joe Manchin saying he's not going to vote for the For the People Act. And let me tell you, that got Joe Manchin trending on Twitter today. Um, but again, Joe Manchin being more of a center-left Democrat, I would say, um, also from a red state, and I think people need to remember that when they see what Joe Manchin is is voting for, what he was, when Donald Trump was president, he was clapping for when the rest of the party was sitting down and he was getting the evil eyes from uh, Senator Schumer. But I think you have to remember, he's from West Virginia, he's from a red state, and he is a center, center of the aisle Democrat. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things he votes for that could be Republican. And, you know, there was a time when you had both political parties uh, that had more moderates than people to the left or the right when it came to the parties. But it doesn't seem like that is the case here in 2021. Uh, you have very few moderate center Republicans and Democrats, and you have many that are going to the further ends of the party, left and right. That is my commentary on, the, on what's going on. But again, we'll see what happens. You saw what happened in Georgia. Um, and someone texted during uh, Jeremy's interview about uh, how it seems that our laws, when it comes to early voting in the hours of our polling places, actually sound more restrictive compared to Georgia that Georgia passed the new voting laws and they moved the All-Star game. They moved the MLB All-Star game, which now Major League Baseball is getting sued for, by the way, uh, but moved the All-Star game to Colorado. Um, and now you see many people are looking at other states and going, well, compared to this state and this state, Georgia isn't restrictive at all. You know, they're just asking for this, this, and this. And again, I don't want to sit here and do commentary on a show called Hardline. This is supposed to be of all opinions, but... You know, I had to show my ID to get my vaccine from the county of Erie, from Erie County, yet we don't have to show our ID to vote. I don't really understand that, but hey, that's a different show for a different time. I appreciate Jeremy Zellner, always um, uh, willing to come on Hardline. He's one of our regular guests, and I appreciate that. When we come back, we're talking to Mark Laurie about schools starting tomorrow, according to the state not having to wear masks. Now, depending on your district, you might be listening and saying, Joe, what are you talking about? But according to the state, it is up to the districts. And let me tell you, sitting in this studio right now, as hot as it is, I cannot imagine having a mask on for more than 30 seconds. So we're going to talk to Mark Laurie about what's going on in schools, how they have come back to this sense of normalcy, and what the no masks, the easing of the mask mandate probably a better way to put it, means for getting back to school. It's Joe Beamer. It's Hardline. We're back after this on WBEN. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.